Praise the Lord for the message of that song. And this afternoon, we will continue our series of study in the book of Romans. Uh, it's been a while. So uh, do pray for me as I uh, teach God's word. We will have a Bible study this afternoon. So um, if you can stand with me, please. Let's read uh, just a couple of verses. That's okay. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. All right. Today we'll be going to talk about the benefits of justification. And uh, that sounds good, isn't it? Benefit. You see, our benefactor had benefited us as beneficiary of the benevolent blessing of the Lord. Thank God for justification. Thank God for our salvation. Amen? So uh, let's be reading it uh, with understanding. Then we'll have a word of prayer. If you're there, say a hearty amen. All right? So let's read it all together. Begin. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's look to him in prayer. Father God in heaven, once again we bless your name. We thank you for another opportunity to open the words of life, this great book of the book of Romans. Thank you, Lord, that we can study it, we can ponder upon it. Thank you, Lord, that your people has still has the desire and the delight to be here in our church all day long for this second service. Bless, Lord, your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the messages that we heard for the past week, even this very morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just being so patient toward all of us. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Once again, Lord, I ask for your infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm nothing, Lord, without you. I'm very limited. Uh, I don't have the capabilities, Lord, to expound uh, your word, but we pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to us, enlighten us. May something that is shared this afternoon will be uh, an encouragement and a blessing to us that we will tru truly appreciate, Lord, what you've done for us, our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for... Keeping, keeping us safe until this point of time. Thank you, Lord, for um, the songs that we've sung for your glory, um, for the Sunday school lessons that we've heard and studied since the beginning of this day. And all our prayer, O oh Lord, is that may all of our worship and service before you is a sweet-smelling savor, acceptable into thy sight. Uh, hide me behind the cross. Uh, forgive us me from my sins and shortcoming. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. The benefits of justification. Just a quick review. Uh, there's a question in Job chapter 25 verse 4 when the Bible declares how then a man can be justified with God. And I'm going to borrow some of our lessons and points from our Faith Bible Institute study from Dr. Jan Yates, and uh, some of our young professional here had testified that enrolling in Faith Bible Institute has been a personal blessing to them. Because it doesn't matter how um, long you've been a Christian, even for me, by my self-testimony, uh, I went to uh, Bible College in the Philippines, FBCA. I went to Marietta Bible College in Ohio. And then when I came here in the church and we started this program, what, 10, 12 years ago? The first batch of the I saw, I heard and I felt and experienced, there's so much things to learn. And it's great to be reminded of the things you've already heard from the past, but the Institute is such a refresher. It's a blessing. And it's even enhanced during their generation right now because the more you study God's word, the sweeter it is to your soul. The more you appreciate your God, amen? The more you feel blessed and privileged to be saved to be in the ministry, to have the opportunity and still the freedom and the liberty to study God's word. Freedom of religion, let's not take that for granted. Amen? So the benefits of justification. So the answer in that question, how then can a man be justified with God in Job 25 verse 4 is answered in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. That one that we just read a while ago. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
You know, we always say justification. The word justified simply means declared righteous. Declared righteous or just in the sight of God. It's a legal term. In theological definition, justification is the judicial act of God whereby He legally declares the believing sinner to be innocent of all sin and as perfectly righteous as Christ. That's two contrasts, isn't it? Perfectly innocent and then righteous as Christ. That only can happen because of justification. The doctrine about salvation, about justification. And when we say salvation or in their term, the study of soteriology, it also implies these wonderful scriptural terms. Reconciliation, remission, justification, sanctification, regeneration, adoption. That will even take you a whole course, amen, semester, just to understand why I was saved, why I need to be saved, and after being saved, what truly happens. Isn't it? Our salvation is also denoting three tenses. We are saved from the past penalty of sin. We are saved from the present power or pollution of sin. And we'll be saved from the future presence of sin. That's our justification. Our, our salvation it has past, present, and future denotion of time. There is the perfect positional, amen, kind of justification. There's the progressive you know, present sanctification, and there's the future perfect glorification that we have in Jesus. So, I, I, I don't know about you, when somebody shared their testimony, how they got saved, it's the greatest miracle in their life, it's the greatest treasure that I ever received from the Lord, I always say, Amen! Because our eternal destiny, our wave of life has been changed when we got saved. That's the time we really started living, Amen? The moment we got saved. So, praise God for the doctrine of justification. And I just want to point this out. You now, Paul, our apostle to the Gentiles, our apostle to these New Testament believers, all right, where we get a lot of doctrines from the Bible, isn't it? Romans all the way to Philemon said this about justification. It's not in my slide, but this is just an extra, all right? It's good to have extras, amen? Side note, that's the spirit leads. Don't you know we are justified by grace, we are justified by faith, and we are justified by the blood of Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Just a quick review, because we already studied four or almost five chapters of this great book, the Manifest of the Christian Faith. But look how we are justified, declared righteous. Romans 3, 24, it says, being justified freely, amen? By His grace. Once again, what is grace? Undeserved favor. Unmerited love. You know? G-R-A-C-E. We always say, according to our salvations, God's redemption at Christ's expense. Jesus paid it all. Amen? But for a believer, God's, you know, reaches at Christ's expense. We can be saved by grace. We can live the Christian life by the grace of God. The riches of Christ outpoured to us, it says there. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified freely by God's grace. Then look at Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Amen? Really, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law teaches a man that you are guilty. The law teaches a man that you need a savior because you cannot keep the law perfectly. Amen? That's why you need a redeemer. You need a savior. And then look at Romans 5.9. Romans 5.9. I love this. Romans 5.9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Don't you know the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ clearly declares in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Let's turn there. What is really the gospel? The gospel as we hear it, we always say it's the good news. Amen? The good news of what? The good news that Jesus died, shed his blood, he was buried, and he rose again. And we have different styles or methods of witnessing. Some here would like to say, let's give out to you the bad news first. Amen? 
You are a sinner. You cannot save yourself. But here's the good news. Somebody took your place. Somebody died in your place. His name is Jesus. But what does the Bible say about the gospel? And this is something that a lot of even fundamental churches are forgetting to preach and teach. That we are justified by the blood of Jesus. The blood atonement truth of our salvation. Look at this. Moreover, brethren, in verse 1, I declared unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. What is the gospel here that Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthian believers? The gospel of grace, isn't it? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That you can only be saved by grace through faith. Later on, he said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says there, verse 2, by which also ye are saved. Past tense, amen? Justified. Ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Because there are false teachers coming into the church during that time who's preaching another gospel. And even in the other times here, Apostle Paul said, don't believe if somebody preached another gospel in what I have preached you know, to you. If it is uh, an eloquent person, it's an angel or something, if it is not preaching the same gospel that I preached unto you, and he said, follow me also as I follow Christ, isn't it? Apostle Paul said that. And verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How? That Christ died for our sins. Amen? So how did he die? He died by shedding his blood. Have you thought of it? Christ could have not saved mankind by death alone. What if, if Christ died drowning? What if Christ preached and he had a heart attack? It will not meant for our salvation because he still needs to shed his blood to save mankind of his sin because that's supposed to be Featuring from the Old Testament everything that the uh, priesthood, the sacrificial system pointed to the Messiah. The lamb, the bulls, every sacrifice that was, you know, uh, commanded for the children of Israel to do even Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, when once in a year, the high priest, they will select one high priest to go to that holiest of holy in the tabernacle to present the blood in the mercy seat as a covering for the whole nation of Israel. It's very, very sacred. It's very, very holy duty to do. Isn't it? And we're telling you here, hindi basta-basta, di ba? High priest has to purify himself. He has to do all the rituals of purification. They even have to, tradition says, they have to even put a rope and tie it on his, you know, robe and 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 the end of his hem of his robe there are like bells that ring so uh, the other priests inside the temple or the tabernacle are praying lord accept our sacrifice I, I hope he'll do a good job because we need another year of covering amen but when they stop hearing those dingling of the bells all right they cannot even go inside the holiest of holy because they'll be smitten of god the presence of God is as holy and righteous and just that He will not allow any man, according to the time frame, to go there. So what do they do? According to tradition, they have to drag that high priest. And they have to do it again. But aren't you glad? Later on, we'll see in Ephesians chapter 2 that Christ tore out that veil. Amen? The wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles, between sinners and a holy just God. And we can now go directly to the throne of God as priest of God. As 2 Peter says, we are a royal priesthood. We have now intercessory privilege to come to God. But I praise and thank God for that. You know, um, let's see. Um, we are justified by grace. We are justified by faith. We are justified by the blood of Christ. Remember, some, somebody asked this uh, definition about justified justification just if I've never sinned is even beyond or more than that. Amen? And I'd like to make this uh, term, this phrase. Aren't you glad we are justified by God's grace through our faith in Jesus' blood? Amen. So if you will not appreciate that, oh, I don't know what will, you know, lift your spirit. I thank God that I am justified by God's grace through our faith in Jesus' blood. That gives me assurance of my salvation. That is not according to my performance, my work, 
my standing, but is in the perfect blood sacrifice of Jesus that He shed His blood for me, for my sins on the cross of Calvary. So when you have doubt about your salvation, just think about the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. It was shed on that hill called Golgotha. It was shed on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. But you know what? It did not just shed there and dried up into the ground. And, and, and they're saying, the tradition, like the place where Christ was, was buried is also the same place where that dried, that the blood had dried up. But in the book of Hebrews, remember, men, in our study, that there is that tabernacle in heaven where the blood of Christ is there. Is perpetually preserved. And we have that song, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. God with us. Jesus is God's revelation of who really God is. Is God with skin. Amen? Emmanuel's vein. Because of that blood, we had the remissions of sin, the forgiveness of sin. And because of that, we have justification. And because of justification, we can have these benefits. We have the peace with God. And actually, I'll probably only be able to cover uh, just two benefits here. But there's a lot in the book of Romans chapter 5 alone. All right? So, let's go to the message. Amen? Let's go to the first slide. Okay? There are many kinds of peace in the Bible. As I said, as we read, the first benefit of justification there is it says we have peace with God. There are many kinds of peace in the Bible, like world peace, as we know, which will never happen until the Prince of Peace establishes it, all right, prophetically speaking. As long as there's sin in the hearts of humans, it won't happen. And let me go to the current events. You know what's happening between Israel and the Palestinians in that small little Gaza Strip, all right? Next slide. I saw this in FB, and I'd like to share it to you. Amen. Uh, we have a corresponding verse of scripture here in Genesis chapter 16, actually. You know the history, if, as we've been studying the Bible, amen? We know Abraham is called the father of faith. He's the father of a lot of nations. And we know from Genesis 3.15, when man fell into sin, that the seed of the woman will bruise the seed of the serpent or the devil. And we know there are only two spiritual families in this world, God's family and the devil's family. Let's say the devil's seed, all right? And we know the story because of man's wickedness upon the earth after the fall of Adam that God has to destroy mankind. It's called the global flood, amen? He has to judge the world because of its wickedness and sin. So if you, let's think about, let's say, I hate to use this illustration, Las Vegas, the sin city, all right? Every wicked thing that you can think of, you know, immorality, uh, idolatry, uh, murder, everything, witchcraft, everything, you know, sukdulang kasamaan na ginagawa ng tao ngayon. They've done it during that time. And remember, there was uh, preaching and teaching and views about, you know, how it happened about the sons of God, all right? And there's a program in our church. As your pastor, I'd like to also give you like, uh, my view about that passage of Scripture. And this doesn't affect our salvation, amen? But it's always good to study God's Word together, you know? So we saw that it's the devil's plan to thwart away the plan of God. But God is always sovereign, amen? He's always two, three steps ahead of the devil because he's God, amen? So he tried to pollute that seed. But God saw Noah and he found grace, amen, in the sight of God and deserved favor and merited love. So eight souls got saved, did not perish from that global catalyst. All right? And we studied also that in the Bible, 26 of the Bible, about the flood. So what happened? There was a son, Shem Ham Japheth. And there were promises given to these three sons of Noah who repopulated the earth, replenished the earth, remember? And Ham, through his son Canaan, was cursed because they did an inappropriate act against their father. And Noah was not perfect. He got drunk, isn't it, at the end of his life? And there was a curse. So it's like the seed of the devil has perpetuated 
Let's say through the Nephilims as a view. All right? And then God called Abraham after the Tower of Babel, isn't it? Man was still as a whole. There are uh, uh, one nation, one tongue, isn't it? And they said, let's build a tower. They will not really reach the heaven, but that's the start of the pagan occult worship. According to our study, isn't it? Faith Bible Institute. Hmm? Nimrod, mighty hunter. Tammuz, Semiramis. It just changes name through time. The mother and child worship. All right? Reincarnation, resurrection, so to speak. Isn't it? So God has to confound their language because now they're trying to worship the creation rather than the creator. Isn't it? And what they do is like those ziggurats that you see in archaeological thing, it's like those stairs going up and they uh, present even a, a sacrifice, a human sacrifice, a virgin, trying to appease God. or Little did they know they were worshiping Satan, actually, the seed of the serpent, because he wants to corrupt the blood. He wants to corrupt the, the lineage where the Messiah would come because he was there. Your seed and Eve's seed will have conflict. There's an enmity, isn't it? So what did they do during the time of Abraham? We know the story, amen? The promised seed, the promised son, who the Messiah would come, in Genesis 12, the unconditional covenant with Abraham is, I will bless thee. Everything that will come out of your loins, your seed, I will bless, the Lord said. But I, my blessing is from the promised seed, which is Isaac. But if you read Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis 16, during that time when Abraham was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, they had this culture custom that his wife, can you hear me now? There you go. His wife, Sarah, has a maiden. And in that culture during that time, you can legally have a child with your maiden and it can be adopted as your own. So what happened when God promised them in their old age that they will have a son and God was testing the faith of Abraham. Remember, he did not have a son right away. There's years that transpired before he had Isaac. So what did <clears throat> Sarai said? She became impatient. She lost a little bit of her trust to the Lord. Since it's our culture, it's okay. Maybe we can work this out. We can go ahead of God. So go into my handmaiden, Hagar. And of course, we know that Ishmael was born out of that which is the father now of the Arabs. Twelve princes. He will also be a great nation, the Bible says. And, and Hagar uh, had Ishmael, and Ishmael is already 13 years old. When Isaac came into the scene, he was like taunting Isaac. If you read Je Genesis chapter 16 and Genesis chapter 25, that uh, even Sarah said, Palayasin mo na si Hagar. Kasi meron na tayong anak, yung promise one. But God's blessing was upon Abraham. He said, Everybody that will come out from you will be a great nation. So look at um, Genesis uh, chapter. Wait, namatay yung aking kodigo. All right, I think just in Genesis chapter 16. All right. The story of Sarai and Hagar. All right, look at 16 verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water, Hagar, in the wilderness by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Cyrus, maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. So that's why it's good. It's always biblical to have one wife. Amen? <laughs> she can handle two or more. It's always God designed one man, one woman. But look at the old Jewish patriarchs. See it? They had mistresses. They had the handmaiden especially Jacob. But there's always conflict, right? But God is gracious. Amen? God is gracious. He's still blessed. So, but it's not originally the design. Amen? And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comes thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her. And a lot of Bible scholars are saying, when you see the angel of the Lord, and capital L-O-R-D is a Christophany or the pre-incarnation of Christ before Bethlehem. It's Christ himself through uh, a Jew, uh, male angel that appear in a physical form, all right? 
So it says that return, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. See, that the angel of the Lord has the power to bless because he's God. So for me, in my own personal opinion, it's a Christophany, all right? Or theophany of God, whatever you call it, all right? He says there, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with a child, and shalt bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord had heard thy affliction. And look at this. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So that's why until right now, they have conflict. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So, technically speaking, these are half-brothers of the Hebrew children, isn't it? The blessing was with them too. They became a great nation. And we know they had the oil. They had the prince in Saudi. And you saw those YouTube videos, isn't it? Their luxurious life. They're also blessed because they came from the loins of Abraham. But look at that, that chart once again. This is the blessing. Amen? Through Hagar, Ishmael came, the Arab nation, Muhammad, as we know, Islam. And there's two phases of Islam, the peaceful one, the violent one, regarding where you came from, Mecca or Medina, where the Kaaba is, that big black stone that they said is a meteorite that came and that they're worshiping it, all right? But thank God, because of the promised seed, God is always three, four steps ahead of our enemy because he's sovereign. The promised seed, Isaac, were came Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jewish people who were given the Bible, amen, the oracles of God, to show forth to the world that it's one true living God, Jehovah, and through Jewish people we see from Matthew, the genealogy, amen. And look, magkikrismas na naman po, di ba? And we're gonna look at that study about the virgin bird, about the promised seed with Eve that will bruise the head of the serpent. And in turn, in that time, it will bruise his seal and it happened on the cross, we know that came Jesus. So Jesus is not about the fulfillment of Judaism, but Jesus is altogether something else. Amen? It's Christianity. True Christianity. And next slide. This is the mystery program of the body of Christ. The mystery program it was hidden. It's a truth hidden but revealed to us through the Bible. The body of Christ. Because the church is that mystery program. But Israel is the prophetic uh, uh, mystery of the kingdom. All right? And we've been studying this in our men's Sunday school and we are blessed. Just a quick preview of Old Testament. If you've been studying the Daniel's 70th week prophecy, 69 weeks have already been fulfilled, 483 years. Uh, starting from the uh, uh, declaration uh, that the Jews can return back to their exiled land during the time of King uh, Cyrus, that's the start of the prophetic clock, all right? And it was cut off when Christ was crucified on the cross, when the Messiah was cut off in Daniel chapter 7, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all right? So they were in Babylonian captivity for how many years? Because they disobeyed the law of giving rest to the land for 490 years. They did not give rest to the land every 70 years. So they have to be in the captivity for 70 years. Because 490 divided by 7 is 70. So they fulfilled that Babylonian captivity, all right? And they were able to go back. But the Messiah was cut off. That prophetic program for Israel was cut off on the 69th week. And then came the times of the Gentiles, the church age, our dispensation. And who knows, since May 14, 1948, that could come again and will quickly kick in when the tribulation comes. And before the tribulation comes, we have to be raptured first as the saints of God, as the body of Christ. And this is explained by Apostle Paul in the studies in the, in the epistles. You know, because there are seven mysteries in, in the Bible. Alright? So, I love that chart. Alright? Old Testament, but Calvary is the one that made the difference. Amen? It's like, parang sa gitna siya, di ba? And of course, we've studied about the rapture, the tribulation, second coming, and then the millennium, where we'll have peace. Before we'll have really good, uh, perpetual peace in this world. Because they said 
in the history of the world, there's only 200 years of peace. Every year, another part of the world has somebody wa uh, warring, quarrel, conflict. Only 200 years. I want to research that ngayong taon na yon. All right, from from Christ up to up to right now, in the past 2,000 years. But aren't you glad that one of the benefits of justification is we have peace with God. We have peace with God. You know? And what's happening in Gaza and Israel right now has been a conflict. And they said, you know, uh, bakit hindi nalang magbigay yung Israel? How come they will not? But you know what? These people, you know the news. I don't probably have to elaborate this. They are trained to kill them out of hatred, out of their ideology. And all stems with their spiritual belief. Isn't it? That's why even, even God said to Joshua during the conquest of the land in one of our Bible studies in, in Friday, you know, that's why, oh, the God of the Old Testament is violent. He commanded to annihilate everybody. Remember, even the sheep during the time of King Saul and then during the time of Joshua, the Canaanites, you know why? God is still merciful because those kids that will grow up will be the same thing as their parents. Barbaric. You know, they... They're very sinful that God has already been merciful to them. So God has to tell that to Joshua. But did they obey completely? They did not. Isn't it, Brother Joe? They did not truly drive away all the Canaanites. Actually, they embraced their idolatry. They married their, what? their, their daughters, their women. That's why they made them a warring before God. They embraced their, their, their gods. They also served Moloch. See? Stubborn, all right? So what happened? They had conflict. You know? And there's always like repercussion in our disobedience to God. God wants complete obedience. Because complete obedience has the greatest blessing of God. So next slide. We have to go on. My, 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 my clock, my watch is still one hour ahead. <laughs> all right. So John 14, verse 27. So there's the peace with God. And then there's also the peace of God, which is tranquility in your soul or contentment and anxiety-free kind of living. Peace of God. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth peace, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be a prey. It's the peace that we know from the Bible that passes or surpasses understanding. You know, sometimes I have this peace of God. It is always available to me, but often I allow life to rob me of this. I become worried, paranoid, fearful, bitter, aggravated. That's not the peace of God. They are mutually exclusive. I cannot be bitter and have the peace of God. If I'm worried, then I'm not trusting God. If I'm aggravated with someone, I'm not praying for them. Then I'm not at peace with them. But the peace with God is different. It's the opposite of being under the wrath of God. That's why you are declared righteous. You're in good terms with God because of justification. You have, you are in the, it's the opposite of being in the wrath of God because the Bible says we are already condemned, isn't it, before we got saved. The wrath of God abided in an unbeliever before they got saved. So the peace with God, it's taking care of the state of hostility that exists between God and man prior to salvation. The war between God's holiness and man's sinfulness is won through justification. And the benefit is we are at peace with God. Isn't it before salvation, like it or not, we are God's enemies? Look at Romans chapter 5. Let's go back to our text. Romans chapter 5, verse 7. I'm going to go ahead with our study. Romans chapter 5, verse 7. It says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrated or proved, commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right? It says in verse 9, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. We had the wrath of God because we are God's enemies, because of our sinful, depraved condition. But verse 10, for if we then we were enemies, I love this, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by whose life? The life of Jesus, his perfect righteousness that is imputed to us. All right? Thank God, before salvation, we are God's enemies. During salvation, after salvation, we are God's friend. We are God's children. Uh, there was a story of an atheist who was really obnoxious. He was on his deathbed. His godly grandmother visited. Oh, I, I love the illustration of Brother A.J. a while ago. What if your grandmother said, you know, have dinner with us? And she start praying. Isn't it? Oh, wow. That's a good illustration, isn't it? God always uses godly grandmother. Godly mother. Amen? Like Eunice and you know, with Timothy. And what's the other name? Eunice and Lois, isn't it? Like Lois and Clark, but Lois and Eunice, all right? And because of their godly influence and prayer, Timothy, you know, came to know the Lord. And, of course, the ministry of Apostle Paul. So this godly grandmother's atheist visited and asked him if he made his peace with God. Because he's dying, all right? Smarting off, his atheist replied, I did not know that we've been fighting. I did not know that we've been fighting. So even in his deathbed, he doesn't want to recognize. Isn't it? The awesome accountability that he will face God. But the Bible says, as, remember Romans chapter 1? The hidden are already condemned guilty. Romans chapter 2? The hypocrite are already guilty, condemned. Those are trying to be morally good. Romans chapter 3, the Hebrew, the Jewish people who had the law are also guilty before God because they cannot keep the law. We know. The Pharisees, the regular people, they tried. Isn't it? So all are guilty before God, the first three chapters. Then chapter 4 gave us the illustration of Abraham being justified by faith. Even David, isn't it? Then we go to chapter 5 that we see some benefits of justification. I have to hurry. Amen? Most lost people don't know they are God's enemy because they don't actively oppose the work of God. They feel they are neutral towards God, but there's no such thing. You cannot be neutral before God. Either you are on His side or in His side. Amen? Because there are only two spiritual families. So look at Matthew 12.30. We'll go through these verses quickly. Then we'll end our lesson. Amen? Matthew 12.30. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me is scattered abroad. All right? Jesus made that clear. John 8.44. Oh, when you witness to a person, don't use this verse first. Amen? <laughs> Even if you want to emphasize the bad news. But it's true. John 8.44. <clears throat> it was Christ, isn't it? Out of a righteous indignation, these hard-headed Pharisees and religious people who are outside good, but inside bad. Evil, isn't it? White sepulchre, so to speak. And he said, Ye are your father of the devil, and the last of your father ye will do. Isn't it? There was even an instance, oh, they committed that unpardonable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, attributing the very wonderful works of Jesus proving he's the Messiah to the prince of the devil, Belzebub, or the devil himself. <sighs> what if, uh, just... Use your sanctified imagination. What if you were there, I was there? And you heard in the synagogue all the teachings of the coming Messiah. He will do this, he will do that. Here are the signs. And Christ was there. He was performing miracles, feeding people, healing people that are sick, you know, excommunicating or exhorting evil spirit, isn't it? Everything that you read in your Old Testament about the Messiah was embodied in Jesus and then you are a religious leader. You're supposed to know the law, isn't it? You're supposed to know the scripture. And then you blatantly deny that he is Jesus. It's, it's already mind-boggling that it's such a privilege to be. Isn't it? The Logos, the Word, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the universe, the Son of God. But look at that. They blatantly rejected him and plotted against him and eventually you know, allowed him to be killed. Because they were the perpetrators, isn't it? Yeah. Who that's why there's as I said, anti Semitism. Because they they're the ones who killed Jesus. Yeah. Jewish people, religious probably, or the Roman soldiers that were there and that government. 
But actually, spiritually speaking, it's our sins. Amen? That nailed Jesus on the cross because everyone is guilty. As we've been studying in the book of Romans, the heathen, the Hebrews, you know, the hypocrite are guilty before God. So, just to be justified, we need to have faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus. You're a child of God or the devil, a citizen of God's kingdom or the devil, a friend of God or an enemy. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6 to 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 to 8. The Bible declares, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What can please God? As the Bible says in Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we worship here today, amen? We believe that Jesus is here by faith. So if we believe that, the word of God that when two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, He's in our midst, the, then God is pleased. Because we're not worshiping any object here, any person. Our worship is in spirit and in truth through the word of God. So what we are doing today, God is pleased by God's grace. Amen? When we do it in the spirit. Look at Romans 1.8. We know all unbelievers are the enemy of God. But let's take it a step further. God is the enemy of all unbelievers. He is angry with them and condemns them. Once again, righteous anger, righteous anger against sin. Romans 1.8. But look at this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. As we look back, Romans chapter 1, the believers that, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Remember, they're under persecution, under Nero. Blame Christians for the fire in Rome and everything. They are in severe persecution but they're still serving God they're still gathering look at Psalm 71 let's go to the Old Testament Psalm 71 oh Lord my God indeed do I put my trust save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me probably this is one of their prayers God's people during that time in the book of Romans then let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 21 to 24 Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 21 to 24 let's look here about the God of heaven who is just and holy and is angry at sin. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them, provoke them to anger with a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Wow, strong words, isn't it? Look at this. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust. Wow. But it's the same God that we serve today. He's still angry at sin. Amen? Because he's a perfect, righteous God. Look at Joshua 24, 16. I don't have time to expound that verse, but... Quickly, for the sake of time, we'll go to these verses. Joshua 23, 16. When ye have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God. This is like a farewell address, amen, of Joshua. We learned a while ago, Joshua 24, 15, the preaching. You know, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Always a wonderful verse of scripture to put in our homes, amen. I still remember what Brother Jackson made for us. That... Uh, not just the Ten Commandments, but that, but as for me and my house, that design that he had, isn't it? Always oh, good to, to put that in, a, in our houses, amen? There's a, a great reminder of that scripture. By God's grace, amen? We will serve the Lord together. Look, when you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and shall perish quickly of, of the good land which he had given unto you. You know why? God hates idolatry. Oh, you're my idol because you're American. American. Okay, you'll get it one of these days when you get to your... Uh, all right. Ano sa Pilipinas? Anong version natin? There you go, Philippines. Philippines got talent. We have a lot of talents, isn't it? Especially Baptists. All right? Talent to endure the long, the long preaching. Amen? The long service, see? So... God hates idolatry because every time you have an idol, you already break the first of the Ten Commandments. 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's why it's so funny. You know, there's humor in the scripture. I don't have a lot of jokes today, but there's humor in the scripture. You know, there was a lawyer or a young man who had everything. Then he asked the Lord Jesus Christ, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus knows the hearts of men. He told him the second half of the commandment, isn't it? And he said, I did all of this since I was a kid. I tried, but Christ said, sell everything you have and follow me. Then he went away sorrowfully. You know why? Because he was not really truthful. He lied to Jesus. He did not really keep all the commandments because he broke the first commandment. Because his idol is his wealth. That was a test. Sell everything you have. Oh, my disciples, they left everything they had. Their fishing rig, their business, and they followed me for three and a half years. Isn't it? They know and understand a little bit that saying, if anyone follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Amen? The disciples tried to do that. But the young man went away sorrowfully. But we don't know if he got saved or not. I hope he got saved. I hope the word of God really penetrated his heart. But his idol was his wealth. That's why he cannot give that up. He was already close to the you know, kingdom of God. But he missed it because of his idolatry. So, you know, idol is not a graven image or anything that we love. Good more attention more than God. Isn't it? Because God is a jealous God, righteous jealousy. So, whew, we might ask, God would never send anyone to hell. Look at Ephesians 5, 6. Yes, everyone is condemned. Everyone has the rod of God if they are not saved. John 3, 17 also declares that. But you might ask and hear somebody ask, God would never send anyone to hell because he's a God of love. But Ephesians 5, 6 declares, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And in the preceding verse, it listed there all the sins. Isn't it? In the previous verses. And one of the sins that's listed there is that every, everyone in this world had committed. What is that? It's part of the Ten Commandments, I believe. Everybody has... Uh, as bear false witness. Everybody had lied. Actually, in the book of Revelation, it also says there, why are you going to be sent in hell to be tormented forever? And it gives us the list of sin. And one of the sin is the one that makes a lie. And remember John 8, 44, ye are father of the devil and the last of... Because from the beginning, he was a liar. When he twists the word of God, yeah, if you will not really die, you'll be like God. If you, it is forbidden for disobedience, rebellion against God. So if we are enmity with God, what can be done? There has to be a mediator. Amen? That's why, let's go back, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says there, through Jesus, a mediator tries to bring reconciliation, but it has to be agreeable to both sides. Amen? And we have the ministry of reconciliation because at creation, God and man were at peace with one another. We know that. Adam and Eve, they walk in the cool of the day. Jesus, let's say God the Father, amen, was with them enjoying the fellowship. And they don't disintegrate because they have the, for me personally, they have that Shekinah glory of God. They have that halo that covers their nakedness. And they're walking with Jehovah God. They're talking about Adam and Eve. How's your day today? Maybe without sin and complete ignorance, innocence, and perfect fellowship with God. And Adam probably could ask, we can use our sanctified imagination. Oh Lord, how's Gib Gabriel in heaven? <laughs> Isn't it? And did it dawn about you? I ask this also. When did Adam and Eve fell into sin after they were created? Was it a hundred years? One year? Ten years? Remember the command? It just dawned on me when Pastor Pumonis preached about this. When he commanded that they need to replenish the earth, multiply, isn't it? To have children. So a lot of Bible scholars are saying that they fell from grace, they sinned before the 30 days. Because Eve has to conceive, isn't it? And there's a 30-day cycle for women. So before that could happen, before that seed will put enmity, so the devil was already there tempting. That's for me my speculation. So it could have been more than a month, a year, because the devil was already active in trying to put enmity between God and man. Isn't it? And he succeeded. 
But thank God, God's mercy and grace was still there. There was that proto-evangelion, the seed of the woman, the virgin-born Holy Spirit conceived super miraculous plan of God had happened 2,000 years ago. Amen? As we're going to celebrate Christmas, it's all about the birth of Jesus to die on the cross so we can have peace with God and peace of God. Oh, I have to end. Oh, let's have uh, other verses here. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. The history of reconciliation. At creation, God and men were at peace, but at the fall, we know man committed a treasonous act of rebellion and all mankind became enemies of God. But at the cross, once again, we go to the cross of Calvary, God made reconciliation with man possible by taking the penalty of our offense upon himself. So that's at salvation, man is reconciled to God by faith. We are justified to God by faith. So one of the blessings of reconciliation and justification is the peace with God. And we have a mediator. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. It's not St. Bartholomew or St. Mary or any other saint or any pope, priest, or pastor that will intercede for you. Amen. It's a New Testament believer. You have one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. That's why we end our prayer in Jesus' name. We start our prayer, our Heavenly Father, God, oh God, our Lord. But we go to that intercessory path through Jesus because He's the only mediator. He's the only bridge between God, who is holy, righteous, and just, and man, who is vile, wicked, wicked, and sinful, but forgiven. Amen? As believers, sinners by the grace of God, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Colossians 1. 19 to 22. Colossians 1, 19 to 22. For it pleased the Father that in him, Christ Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace, notice again, peace, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated, all right, means stranger. Not alien with weird-looking face coming from Mars, all right? And even NASA would like to try to look for extraterrestrial people. They won't find anybody. Because God said he only placed human beings in this world, in this earth. If they found some UFO, OFO, they're not really aliens. They're demons pretending, trying to deceive the people, isn't it? You see that now in the news, UFOs, OFOs, something like that. Because it's a lie that the devil is spawning in the minds of people. All right? But only people with souls, amen, <laughs> are here on this earth. Because this is the only place where God died for the sins of men. And Eve's name is the mother of all living human beings. That's the definition of her name. There's no other, another Eve in another planet, amen? Only here on earth. Praise be to God. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now had he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you, praise be to God, positional, amen? Sanctification or justification to present you holy and unblameable and uh, unreprovable in his sight. So all I'm saying is Jesus is our go-between, amen? When he hung on the cross, he was suspended between heaven and earth. He reached down to sinful men and reached up to the Holy Father and brought us together by paying our penalty and breaking the wall of partition or division between us. That's why we can sing during Christmas time, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. What's the tune of that? Can Sister Astrid sing it for me? Peace on earth and mercy mild. God. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, there you go. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, isn't it? That's where that song came from. Okay. We're going to be refreshed once we hit December. We, we're going to start singing Christmas hymn. So that peace is permanent. And I have to end. Amen? Say amen. Meron pa tayong meeting eh. All right? Or update. Hebrews 7.25. That peace is permanent. Aren't you glad, Christians, you have the peace of God? And the peace with God. And the peace at God when we depart from this place. You know, Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, there are only three states of men. 
without Christ. That, were, that was us before. When we got saved, we are in Christ. And then when we die, or we get raptured, we'll be with Christ. That's another whole sermon. Amen? But aren't you glad we are in Christ right now? And Brother Braille, who is with Christ. Pastor Max, who is with Christ. My mom, who is with Christ. Your brother, who is with Christ. Wow. Your life right now is much, much better than us. Apostle Paul said, For I am in straight betwixt two, wanting to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Far, far better. And sometimes we get tired in this life, diba? Uh, our duties, the demands of life, sickness, troubles, trials. But thank God for the promises of God. We have the peace of God. They have the peace with God and we have the peace at God when we get there one of these days. That's why Hebrews 7.25 said, Wherefore he, Christ, is able to save them just 1,000 years, just today, just in this world, but to the uttermost. Amen? God is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Jesus, by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Praise be to God for Jesus, where we have this benefit of justification of having the peace with God. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for just allowing us to read and glance and glean a little bit of your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that we are believers in Christ. We are Christians. We are recipient of the greatest benevolent benefactor of all times. We are beneficiaries of your love, Lord, of your saving grace, of that peace that passes understanding. And we know, Lord, that peace is not the absence of any conflict or pain, but peace is found in the presence of God. That's why, Lord, we can sing that song till the storm passes by. We can sing that song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We are standing on a solid rock, not because of our own strength, our own merit, but because we have the Lord in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ came so we can have all these wonderful spiritual blessings. And we are encouraged, personally, Lord, I'm so encouraged this afternoon. Because even though I don't have much in this life, in the world standard, a person here in this church right now, in this room, might not have all the beauty of a, uh, of a woman or of a man or the talent or the uh, athletic ability or wealth or fame. But we are reminded of that verse, what shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world, but loses his own soul, but loses the opportunity to really gain something in this life by serving God and knowing Him, by serving the Lord through His church, by being a witness, by supporting missionaries and lending our gifts, talents before God in the community of believers. What shall it profit a man if he had all those things? but missed out on the best thing in life. So we're thankful, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for directing our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the benefits of justification. Just one already bless our hearts, that the peace with God. And later on, we will study. We have the access. We have all these wonderful things. Just in Romans chapter 5 alone about how you truly care for us. And we, we should never, ever, Lord, take for granted our salvation because that truly is what defines us. It's what truly directs us. It's what truly makes us delightful in your presence, Lord. That we are saved, not just to go to hell and also go to heaven, but we are saved to be conformed in the image of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a tremendous day that will be. So help us, Lord, while we are here on earth to do your will. And we know, Lord, there's a lot of destruction out there. But may we continue to focus on the majors and not my majors on the minor. And may we always continue, Lord, to exalt our Savior in this place. Edify the saints of God to constant fellowship and prayer and evangelize the sinners, the lost, to our personal witness, testimony, 
and our support of our missionaries and our prayers for them. Help us, Lord. We are nothing without you. Help us not just to enjoy the benefits, but also, Lord, be able to do your bidding in our lives. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all, pe uh, God's people. Thank you for listening to God's word. And let me call our song leader. He's ready, Brother Christian Ali, to come and lead us in our closing song and prayer. Thank you.